You're tuning in to Flawed and Fabulous. I'm Ash and I like to think we're all flawed, but we're also fucking fabulous. Welcome to the first episode of season five. Today is a solo episode and I will be doing my best to unpack uh, the recent passing of my beautiful mummy. Her name was Lisa and Lisa was born on the 13th of the 2nd, 1955 and she passed away nearly, well, just gone two months ago on the 26th of the 8th, 21. I've just had to add this little edit into the podcast and I usually don't edit the podcast, but I was typing up the episode notes and because it's been so long since I had done an actual podcast, I had completely forgotten about the angel cards and it's the first point on the episode breakdown. I was like, shit, I didn't do the angel cards. I need to go back and do them and add them in. And then I was like, oh, it's the morning, I'm running late. Um, maybe I should just do the card that I last had. And I always leave the card that I last had up in the deck and then I put it back in and reshuffle. And the the card the card that I pulled the last time I did it about a week ago was notice the signs. And I was like, oh, I can't use that card because everyone's gonna think it's so staged because throughout the episode I talk about my signs and my spiritual connections. So I shit you not, I have just quickly it is 6 10 a.m in the morning and I was like I'm going to reshuffle the cards pull out a card and you know that's the card that I'm supposed to have so I've shuffled the cards and then I'm like I'm not going to pick the top one I'm going to fan them out across my desk and I'll pick whichever one stands out to me and one was just in full display of the 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 same picture that's on all of them I flipped it over I shit you not it is the same card and it says notice the signs Yes, the signs you've been receiving are heaven sent. We drop feathers, coins and other signs upon your path to remind you that you're loved and never alone. The angels gave you this card to help you understand the signs you've been receiving lately. These signs may include feathers, coins, butterflies, birds and other repetitive visions that make you think of the angels who have deliberately sent you these signs to let you know they're nearby protecting, loving and guiding you. Additional meanings for this card. Your departed loved ones in heaven are saying, hello, I love you. Notice and believe in the repetitive signs you have received as validation that you're on the right path. Have faith. Follow the signs that are guiding you to your heart's desire. So, wow. Um, You all know how I feel about the signs anyway. Um, And I'm just completely mind blown that um, I've got that card again, in such a rush to and a random shuffle. But I believe in the signs. If you're on your own spiritual connection journey with past loved ones, I cannot say to you enough, look for the signs. They are around sending you their love and their messages. Now let's get back to the podcast. Mum had cancer. Her cancer was bile duct cancer. So for those of you that don't know what bile duct is, your bile duct is in your liver. And if you've ever been very hungover or unwell and had a bit of a vom and you vile up that, um, you vomit up that um, orange foamy stuff, that is from your bile duct. Mum was first diagnosed with her cancer of, in May 2017. That was two months after Horn passed away and 
at the time, I've explained this before in a past episode, that she thought that the the pains and the weird feelings that she'd been having in her stomach were um, anxiety and feeling of worry about everything that had happened. But um, she, after a fair bit of time, she knew that that wasn't really what it was. So she went to the doctor and that's when she was diagnosed with bile duct cancer. At that time, um, we were told that the survival rate was very, very slim. I'm pretty sure it was 5% for this specific cancer. And um, that was very daunting and scary for not only mum, but for all of us as well. By chance, an amazing professor in Brisbane at the Green Slot Green Slopes Hospital said that he would be able to operate on mum because she was still in relatively good health and her age. This was a massive operation. Um, He went into mum's liver to dissect it and remove the cancer that was in there. But when he got in there, it was a lot worse than what he had predicted. So she didn't get a liver transplant, but he actually took her liver out chopped it up into many different pieces, removed all of the cancerous bits and then sewed it back together and put it back in. After this operation, mum went into remission, which was amazing. And in this time that allowed her to marry her longtime partner and best friend, my stepdad, Darren, after 24 years together. They also went on numerous holidays and she got to spend a lot more time with her grandsons. In August of 2019, nearly two years later, the cancer had returned. We were told at this point in time that no operation was possible because of how enormous the first operation was, but also the tumours had come back and although they weren't in her liver, they were now in her stomach or close to, it was still called bile duct cancer. So the operation wasn't possible and now chemo was happening. So mum being mum, the fighter that she was, was fully committed to chemo. I knew that she was scared and when she broke the news to us that it had come back, she she said to my brother and I, you know, I've had my extra time. Whatever happens now happens you've met Eden, I'm not worried about what's going to happen to you. Maddie, you have Shani and you have your beautiful grandson, um, uh, sorry, your beautiful son, my grandson, Jaxie, and if it's my time now, it's my time, but I'm going to give it a hell of a fight. At that time, Eden and I had just broken up and I hadn't told mum yet and I'd moved into my own place. Well, we hadn't broken up, sorry, we were taking a break to figure out um, everything, the layers of our relationship and I'd moved into my own place and so I said to my mum, like, well, you can't go dying on me now. Um, Eden and I have broken up, so stay worried and stay alive. But that was just a joke to give mum some motivation to keep fighting. I knew that she was scared and so I wanted to be there for her at the first time when she had her first round of cancer. This was just after Horn had passed away and I wasn't able to be there for her, which was something that has haunted me for a long time and it also haunted mum that she wasn't able to be there through the hardest part of my life either. So I had made a commitment that I was going to be there as much as possible for, for this next ride. 
I went to the shops and I, well, I actually did some Googling first and I was like, you know, how can you support people going through this? And I'm like, I'm going to get mum a chemo kit, a chemo bag. So I went to the shops and I bought her a beautiful fluffy pink blanket. Mum loved pink, could go crazy over pink. I got an iPad that had cellular data on it so she could watch um, it anywhere at any time. I hooked up Netflix and Stan and all the other things in case she wanted to watch shows while she was at chemo. I bought her a journal, a water bottle, lip balm, bed socks, eye mask, and anything else I could think of to make her comfy. I took her to majority of her cancer treatment, her chemo treatments. My stepdad was working at the time, so and it was no problem to do so. I had really reached a point where I was able to carve this time out and be there for mum. So um, we, off we went with her chemo bag and I know that she was really afraid but she was trying not to show it. And I stayed with her for the first round of chemo and until my stepdad got there and then they told me to go home and it went for eight hours that day because it went so slowly. And then the next time she went I took her again and she said, all you have to do is stay and get me settled and then I'm happy to be here on my own. And mum was such a social butterfly. I think she secretly loved having the chats with everyone while I wasn't there. Over the time, the treatments varied. Um, A new round of chemo um, was being implemented because the other one wasn't working and this was going to make mum lose her hair. So she bit the bullet and I took her in May of 2020 to shave her head. And she rocked her bald noggin until October 6, 2020, where she had had enough. And that's when she wanted a wig. Between the hair loss and the fuzzy hair growth, steroids, changing the shape of her face, she was feeling not like her sparkly self and she really wanted to regain that feminine energy of, I know it sounds superficial, of having makeup and hair and all the things that she's taken pride in her whole life were slowly being stripped away from her. So she wanted to regain some of that power back. So we went wig shopping and um, we we tried on a whole heap of wigs and she found the one that she loved and um, yeah, we bought it and off we went home. Out, well, actually we went out for the day in her wig and then she went home. Later on in that year of the Christmas of 2020, mum did a really big stint in hospital. In early December, she went in um, just randomly for, I think she was just feeling really weak or nauseous and she stayed in there for nearly six weeks. And this was during a hospital COVID lockdown. This time, this six weeks, really really destroyed her and knocked her about and it also knocked our family around. This stressful time caused arguments between family members and a blame game started of who wasn't doing enough and who wasn't supporting and this was around Christmas time. So it was really, really, really emotion-fueled. I've never had a Christmas day. Actually, sorry, when I was like 20 and living in Melbourne, I have had one Christmas day my whole life without my mum. So this was going to be the first Christmas um, that we weren't going to be spending it together. Over this time, mum had been um, put on morphine and um, my grandfather, when he passed away from cancer, they they just basically upped his morphine and um, mum witnessed that. So she, 
I had come to visit her on Boxing Day and um, or the day after Boxing Day and Eden and I were in the room. We'd come back from Brisbane and the nurses just started talking about her end-of-life care and we're making her comfortable and no conversation had happened at all but we found out later that mum was being so pumped full of morphine that, you know, she was kind of saying, I don't want to do this anymore. And they had taken that as in like, well, it's your time. We're going to make you comfortable. So after a lot of um, very strange conversations and not trying to alarm my stepdad too much, um, we got to the bottom of it and um, politely asked the hospital to find another pain medication other than morphine that mum could take. So she didn't think that this was the end for her. And um, shortly after, into the new year, she went home. 13th of February of 2021, uh, we finally got around to having our family Christmas. Mum felt well enough to do and it was also um, her birthday around this time. So we had a beautiful lunch just with the adults in the family um, at a waterfront dining and we all ate and talked and laughed and took photos. And little did we know at that time that would be our last outing as as a family. From here is where the decline in mum really, really started to kick in. Mum's diet wasn't great She was pretty old school and set in her ways. She loved her sugar and carbs and teas and cakes with cream and ice cream and strawberries. You know, there's a little bit of fruit, Um, which, you know, I'm a big believer that gut health is really important and in your nutrition and what you put in your body has an impact. So I tried to get her across the line with that many years ago when the cancer first happened, bought her green juices and this and dairy-free and she just really wasn't having a bar of it. And at the end of the day, it's her life and the time that she had left was up to her how she wanted to spend it. But she was just, I'll never forget, she's like, this green juice tastes like dirt. So I knew that I had no chance whatsoever from then on to get her to do any of that. Over the the next few months, from chemo to radiation to pain blocks to colonics to diarrhea, nausea, oxy, CBD CBD oil, blood transfusions, platelets, all of the things. This is what's mum's day-to-day life. She had buckets of medications that were basically keeping her alive. But all of these products came with massive side effects. Her quality of life was so, so shit. And during this time, we had a lot of private conversations about her mindset and what she wanted. And I knew she had had enough. And I wanted her to feel so loved and supported that when she was done, she knew that we would all be there for her. On Sunday, the 1st of August, 6.30pm, my phone rang and it said mum. And I kind of knew if mum's calling on a Sunday, you know, something's wrong. And I was extremely hungover. And, and you know, that's a good hangover if you're still hungover at 6.30pm. So, but I w- would never not answer mum's call. And I answered And I could tell instantly in mum's voice how distressed she was and she was screaming down the phone to me saying, I want to die. I just want it to be over. I just want to die. And 
you know, that was so heartbreaking to hear because I was on the other side of the phone and I couldn't be there for her. But she had just spent so much time over the past like year in isolation with different COVID lockdowns. And it seemed like every time she went to hospital, there was a COVID lockdown in the hospitals. And it just made it so hard to be there for her um, because her pain medication was so high sometimes that being on the phone or FaceTiming, like she just didn't, she just didn't want to do that. And so I chatted to her and I said, well, mum, what, what do you want? What do you want to do? You tell me and I will make it happen for you. And she said, I'm done. And I was like, okay, I will speak to Darren. You don't have to tell him. I will explain it. And we will have a family meeting and we will sort this for you and we will get you where you need to be. The next morning, I must have been after mum's doctor's rounds, um, I had a text message, so it was maybe like 7 o'clock in the morning and it said, don't tell Darren, there's going to be a family meeting tomorrow and the doctor's going to run through everything. In all honesty, I was so fucking relieved that that message came through because I was replaying in my head like how do I tell how do I tell him that she's given up that she's had enough that she's done her best and she doesn't want to live like this and it doesn't mean that she doesn't want to be with you it just means this is not her dream life she's lived her best life an amazing life and this is not what she wants she she doesn't want to continue. She doesn't want you to have to look after her. She doesn't want to feel like a burden, even though we told her a thousand times over she wasn't, but she just lost her independence. She lost her sparkle and she hated that so much. So on Tuesday, the 3rd of August, we had our family meeting. My brother was there, the doctor and my stepdad. And in this family meeting, it was a time to ask questions reminding you that I knew and my brother knew what this meeting was about, but my stepdad didn't. And bless his heart, I think he's still processing this meeting now. So we went through the motions of this is mum is moving into palliative care and I understood what that meant and I don't really think that Darren did or if he did understand it, he was trying to block it out. So the doctor ran through everything that was happening and he just had his head down the entire time and then at the end, so heartbreaking, the doctor asked if anyone had any questions and the only question he had after the whole process of talking about making mum comfortable and moving rooms and palliative care and what that looks like and what happens in the final days, his one and only question was, so there's no miracle coming. And it was just silence in the room. And I, hand on my heart, think that the doctor was nearly crying himself. And I, I should touch on that. Mum had two, um, two doctors, an oncologist and also an infectious um, doctor. So this was actually the infectious, I don't know the, the, the terminology, sorry, um, the infection doctor, as mum had a lot of abscesses growing on her liver for a long period of time that um, were making her feel quite unwell. 
Um, so she had the two doctors and between the two doctors it was always a balancing act of what medications and she could have and what she couldn't have. And so he um, gave this chat and I'm not sure if he usually does it very often. He did an amazing job and he was so um, so supportive and so caring but he just looked rattled by it as well. Little did I know, even though mum and I had had so many conversations, so many conversations in the months leading up to this, I just didn't realise it would happen so quick. So on the 4th of August, mum had texted me, I've moved rooms, I'm in number 23. And the number 23 for us is quite symbolic. Ryder and Carter are both born on the 23rd. So um, I think mum liked that there was a kind of like a lucky number involved in the process. But little did I know that that meant that mum's nutrition and food and everything would start to be declined and that she would be on morphine and we were starting our ride now. So that was on Wednesday, the 4th of August. On Friday, the 6th of August, that is the last day I received a text message from my mum. I did go back through my phone to get that detail because it felt like, in all honesty, it was a lot longer. Like our communication had really died off. Mum was becoming more and more withdrawn and disconnected and, um, yeah. So that was my last text message. On Thursday the 12th of August we had a smoking ceremony at our property and um, my mum has Indigenous heritage which um, was important for us to also acknowledge the um, custodians of our, of our beautiful country and have them come and bless our land and tell some stories to the kids. And it was a fabul- fabulous day. And if you'd like to read more about that, I have a post on my Instagram that you can see some photos and read about the beautiful afternoon that we had. But during the smoking ceremony, it is um, to cleanse you and release and let go. And during that ceremony when we were breathing in the medicinal smoke from the gun leaves, I was just thinking about my mum and we just had this crazy week of these hard conversations and I was just chanting her name in my head and, you know, wishing her well and her spirit be cleansed because I knew what was coming but I didn't know when. And that's the hardest thing about palliative care, this waiting game that's just – it's just so fucking intense and, you know, I've never been so anxious about my phone and answering every call and doing all the things like messages and this and that. Every time my phone rang, I'm like, oh my God. Um, So I took on the role of being my organized self of starting the process to make the arrangements for mum's funeral because I realized that shit, this is happening. This is going to be really quick. And I know from experience what a whirlwind that week is when someone first passes away and all the things that you have to do when your mind is just in a complete autopilot days and you don't even know what you're doing. So to be there for my mum and to have her involved in the process, I had to have the hard conversations that no one else in my family was going to have with her. So on Friday the 13th, which is a bit 
spooky. <laughs> now that I read it, I um I went back to a Lambie, and this is the second time that I'm going to a Lambie to plan a funeral for someone in my immediate family, and it brought back a wave of different triggers and emotions and feelings and that that survival mode just kicked in and I had to do this for my family and it didn't really matter to me at the time how much it hurt. It wasn't until reflecting on it later that I really took in all of the all of the pain that I just suppressed in having to deal with that. And funnily enough, well it's not funny, but the same ladies worked at both a Lambie and white lady funerals and they remembered me and I really don't think that that's a good thing but um, they did and they were so um, gracious and kind to me and helping me do this and um, not that it's ever a pleasant experience but they made it as easy as it could be and I'm very grateful for that. On Sunday the 15th of August I walked into mum's room at the hospital and I thought that I was too late. She just looked so still and her mouth was open and she had lost a dramatic amount of weight. It had only been like a day since I'd last been there and I just, it all came crashing in of how real everything was and how scary um, and frightening this experience was going to be, you know, Horn wasn't sick. He was here one day, gone the next. And I was afraid to see this process and what it was possibly going to do to our family. But obviously being there for my mum was my highest priority. So on Sunday, the 15th of August, when I walked in and she was asleep, I immediately started crying And I was like, do I wake her up? In all honesty, I touched her to see if she was breathing. Um, And then I just sat there like crying, being like, what the fuck is happening? Like I can't believe this is happening. Like I cannot believe it. But that day I had gone there with the intention to have the conversation with her that I hadn't had. We had spoken about so many other things but – what sort of flowers do you want, mum? What do you want to wear? What music do you want? Like I didn't have this conversation with Horn, so it was super important for me to have this conversation with her and honour her wishes and not just blindly navigate through the process hoping that I've done the right thing. So it was such a calm conversation and mum was obviously high as a kite so it wasn't as intense for her but it was very intense for me and – I had been meaning to paint mum's nails um, but I had just kept forgetting which I was so mad at myself for and, again, I had forgotten to bring the nail polish to the hospital on that Sunday. So I had the conversation with her and um, we went through all of the different things and made all the arrangements and made sure that um, it was done the way that she would like it. On Wednesday the 18th of August, it was a a special morning. I have been a IVF wing girl for one of my besties and on that day we, um, my sister, sorry, her sister and I went um, to her insemination day for her little amigo and 
during that time I was thinking this is like the circle of life and I don't know if you believe in stuff like that but a lot of the time sometimes people say as one life exits another one enters and my beautiful friend had had an unsuccessful round of IVF and this was this was take two. And after the insemination, we went out for breakfast and when we were sitting there and plus we had um, lucky number three was the was the egg and number three is my lucky number. And um, I said to her sister and her at breakfast, I'm like, I hate to be morbid, but, you know, you know where I'm at with mum, but I feel like this is the circle of life. This one is going to work this is mum being like if I'm and my mum loved my friend dearly and she's like if I'm going out this is who I choose to do my cycle with and I said that and they they agreed with me and they're like you know as sad as that is like what a beautiful concept and after that insemination it was quite early in the morning I was off to the hospital to finally paint mum's nails when I went into the hospital, um, anyone that's been a support person for someone in palliative care, they're on high amounts of drugs. And so mum was very twitchy um, and jittery and the words were all becoming like disconnected and, again, another confronting day. But I was like, I am fucking painting these nails if it's the last thing I do. So wasn't my finest work, but I painted all of her nails and her toes nude. Her hands were flying around everywhere. She was jittering. I painted her toes. I got it all done. She did not gain consciousness in that entire time. Um, But I was talking to her and letting her know. Later that afternoon, my stepdad called me and mum did not remember that I or know that I had been in there it wasn't until her nails were painted that she knew that I had been there so I was like shit like again another huge decline I need to take my boys in to see nanny for one last time before it's too confronting for them and it's an each their own thing about what's acceptable um, for you and your family. This is a choice that I made for my boys that already have had a lot of GTL experience and I wanted their nanny to be somewhat conscious and not look too drastic and they can remember the fun times with her so she usually came good in the afternoon. The mornings were just a bit rocky. So I took her at them in the afternoon. We had some cuddles and some chats and we took one last photo with Nanny and we gave her a big hug and then we went home. On Friday the 20th of August, um, my stepdad called me at about 9.30 10, or 10.30 to say, you need to get here right now. Um, and come in quick and he was very distraught and at that point we we thought it was the end for mum so my brother picked me up and we drove in together to see mum this what we thought was one last time again very confronting but the nurses then spoke us all through what the process is what's happening and then said 
it's not right now, but it could be soon. From that day, Friday the 20th, my, my stepdad did not leave the hospital unless it was when I was there and he would go home, have a quick shower, um, change of clothes and then come back straight away to be with my mum. That, that next week was a very, very soul-destroying week and I send my love and support to anyone that's been through this or has gone through it, um, sorry, or is, or is going through it. I was really praying to my angel horn during this process that I was like, can you just give me a sign, give me a sign that today is going to be the day so I don't miss it or like I, I just need I just kept asking him for signs and anyone that's been following along for a while know that 313 number is like a massive thing for me and him. It's our like way to spiritually connect on the Monday, um, I was feeling a little bit exhausted and I had a little lay down on my bed and um, had fallen asleep and then on my phone I got an alert and like it was from Jimmy Brings, <laughs> which is like a home alcohol delivery service um, and it woke me up when it dinged. But it wasn't a message, it was just like this random thing and right at that time that it went off, it was 3.13 and then I was just telling myself, I'm like, oh, no, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening today, this is the sign, like this is what I've asked for, da-da-da-da. Nothing. Nothing happened on the Monday. Tuesday the 24th of August, I went and visited mum, did all my um, like hugs and kisses and, you know, whispered in her ear and told her that I love her and that she's safe and, you know, she can go, it's okay um, and so when I was heading home from the short trip from Bundle to Miami where I live, there were two cars right after the, uh, right after each other that had 313 on their number plates. And I was like, oh no, tonight's the night. It's happening now. Like, you know, I've just left. I've just missed, I've just missed it. I should have been there. Again, nothing. Wednesday, the 25th of August, my brother's birthday. And this was a tough one. I had to have a conversation with my brother leading up to his birthday to say if mum passes away, my brother's a big softy and he's very emotional and he takes things to heart and he would have he would be destroyed if he, he this ruined his birthday forever. So I was so mindful of trying to convince him that if mum passes away on your birthday, it's a special connection that you both have forever it's the the circle of life again and it will mean because she doesn't want you to be sad on your birthday she wants you to be celebrating and having fun so on the way to the hospital um that day I was taking my brother and his fiance out for lunch with Eden and the kids to um just try and have a happy day and I went to the hospital first and on the way, got to the car park, in the car park, there's a car with 313 number plates. And I'm like, Eden, look. And so then I was like, oh, my God, it's going to happen today. It's going to happen today. Like, please don't happen today. And then we went out for lunch and nothing. Thursday, the 26th of August. I was at the new Hot Rock having a walkthrough at 9 a.m., and there was one car parked inside 
the new factory with the number plates 313 on it. It was randomly just there inside the hot rock shed and I was like, that's weird. And I was talking to the the builder and having a chat and he was like, oh, um, the old site manager, he's had to go on leave. There's a new site manager here. His name is Brendan. And I'm like, what? Are you joking? And then it got better that his name was Brendan Horn. And I was like, you're fucking shitting me. Like there's no way. Then one of my really good friends um, who has been helping me or well, doing the plumbing on New Hot Rock was there. I was retelling this story. I'm like, look at the number plate. And it just happened to be one of his staff members. And then I was like, um, there's a new site manager. Guess what his name is? And then this white butterfly flew past me and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so creeped out. And he was creeped out and I was like, oh, this is just crazy. But at that time when I was at Hot Rock, I wasn't really thinking outside the bubble and I just got in my car and drove to the other Hot Rock to to check in with everyone and right when I pulled up, I had a phone call from my stepdad at 9.37 on Thursday the 26th of August. The phone call, she is gone. And... It was the weirdest feeling. I can't, I can't explain what it was. I can't, I just felt stunned. And then I don't know if it's selfish or if anyone else that has been through this, but I felt relieved. I, And then I felt mad that I was like relieved, but she had just been through so much. And this last week, nearly a whole week, no food, no water, just upping the morphine, upping the morphine. And it was just horrendous that I was relieved that it was over. And my stepdad was crying on the phone and I was just sitting in my car out the front of work and I was talking to him on the phone and my brother, we worked together, he just waved to me through the, the window because I was in my car and he hopped in his car and he drove off to go get morning tea. And I was like, fuck, he's just driven off. I can't ring him when I've been here to say that mum's gone. I'm just going to have to hang out here until he gets back. And then I was waiting, waiting. I wasn't coming back. I'm like, are you coming back? And then he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. And then someone in the meantime has texted him to be like, I'm sorry about your mum. And then he rang me and he's like, are you waiting to tell me something? And I'm like, yes, where are you? And he's like, I already know. I got a text message and I was like, oh. And like he felt the same as me. He felt relieved. You know, we felt sad but, you know, our mum was gone a long time ago and she wasn't. I don't even know, she was probably staying alive for my stepdad because, you know, she didn't want to be here and, you know, once you get told that, like, you're not going to get any better, like, what do you do? How do you process that? How do you make those decisions that, you know, do you give do you give in or do you keep fighting when you're, every day that you're living is a fucking hellhole? And... Just after my mum had passed away and I was on the phone to my stepdad, he put the phone to her ear and, um, 
you know, he's like, talk to her, talk to her. And I just said like, bye, mummy, I love you. And, you know, I'll see you again soon. I actually forgot to mention that when I had the hard conversation with my mum and I still cry every time I think about it, um, that when I was saying to her, when you see Horn again, can you please? Because I I just couldn't get the words out so many times when I wanted to talk to her about it. But when I was like, when you see Horn, can you please just tell him even though I know he's watching, but can you please just tell him all about the boys and give him the biggest hug and kiss from me and just tell him that I miss him and I love him and I'll see him again soon too, but I hope he's proud of us and that we're doing our best. And that was the hardest thing I've ever had to say because it's when it really sunk in that, you know, my mum was going, that she, you know, wasn't going to be here anymore either. On the Friday, the 27th, there was a car parked out the front of my house, which was a car similar to mine, just a different colour, and it had the number plates on it, Lisa, but not spelt the right way. But funnily enough, there is a, um, there's a story that when my mum was born, my pa didn't know how to spell Lisa. So my mum's name is spelled L-I-S-A. But when my mum was born, he spelled it on her birth certificate L-E-S-A. And out the front of the car, it was spelled like that. And I had a little laugh. It was like a sign that mum was with her parents and that she was safe. That day was a public holiday on the Gold Coast. So on the Monday I had to revisit white lady funerals, which um, although they do an amazing job is not my favourite place in the world. And um, yeah, going in there and making those arrangements and um, planning the funeral and visiting the priests and doing all the things, um, which I did alone, which um, I'm okay with. My brother doesn't cope and I I didn't want to expose him to that. And on the Friday when we had gotten the call that we need to rush into the hospital, my brother was there, but that was the last time that he went and he made a call for himself that I can't I can't see anymore and I feel like some people might think that that's not right, but it is so brave to know what is okay for you and set your own boundaries of I'm the one that has to stay and I have to carry my own memories and this is as much as I can take. So I was there to support him with all of that and I think that it was really brave to make that call. On Friday the 3rd of September, this was the send-off for mum and it was a beautiful day and the flowers were insane and that's what I wanted. I wanted big flowers. They almost looked like angel wings above her coffin. And um, again, Zoom, COVID, gr- mum grew up in Melbourne. Her brothers couldn't attend the funeral but it was on Zoom and there was a beautiful turnout for her and all my beautiful friends that have been in my life for a long time were there to say goodbye to my mum as well. I wanted to read my eulogy Um to you uh, just so you can get a feel of what my life was with mum and the memories. 
Over the, fa- over the past few weeks and months, mum and I had many chats together about many different things. But just like many of you, I was very concerned about Darren and how he would be without mum. When I asked, what do I do about Darren? She held my hand and she said, he will be okay. She was so confident that Darren would make her proud and that, of course, she said she had taught him well and she would be watching. And I took that she'd be watching very seriously. Who else can imagine mum bossing Darren around about the cooking and cleaning and washing? I have no idea where I get it from. I cried a lot of tears writing this and for many reasons. The first being that we're all here today because a really special lady isn't. And that special lady to us is a wife, a mum, a sister, a sister-in-law, an aunt, cousin, a friend, and of course, a much-loved nanny. Unfortunately, looking around the room and those joining us for the live stream, many of us know from experience the pain and emptiness that comes with loss and that the journey ahead for those of us left Earthside can be rough and missing our loved ones hurts a lot. But mum said to me, today needs to be bright and happy. She said, even though this is not what she had planned, she has had a wonderful life with so many treasured memories and that is what we need to think of and today and each day moving forward. The number of beautiful messages I've received this past week from an array of different people made me so proud of my mum. They all said the same thing. Lisa was sparkly and bright. Her laugh was infectious. They have so many fond memories of her and she will be dearly missed. Mum's journey was rough, but as a family, we would like to thank the doctors, nurses and staff at Mermaid Junction Medical Centre, Green Slopes Hospital, Icon and especially Pindara for caring and loving mum over the past four years. In, the fi- in mum's final days, I said to two of the nurses, I really don't know how you do this day in and day out. You are so incredibly special and unique humans. And one of the nurses said so powerfully and without hesitation, it's a privilege. I could feel my whole face begin to twitch while holding in my tears. And when they left the room, I grabbed mum's hand and said, they're absolutely right. What a privilege to look after such a beautiful woman. And now to my mama. Growing up, I used to scoff or roll my eyes when others would say, you're so much like your mother. But the last four years and especially the last few weeks have shown me that this is the biggest compliment I will ever receive. That this strong, resilient, fierce, kind-hearted, generous, fun-loving lady is exactly who I want to be like. Anyone that has experienced palliative care with a loved one knows it takes a piece of you that you will never get back. But I made mum a promise not to dwell on the pain and continue to live this life to its fullest. Even if it doesn't feel like it right now, we are so blessed to be here and there are thousands, if not millions, that would trade places with us in a heartbeat. So when I close my eyes, they take me to that sparkly, infectious lady that could light up a room and be heard laughing from the other side. Little Lisa, my mummy, you'll forever be in our hearts forever and ever. Shine bright, doll. I love you. The past two months which pretty much is exactly two months yesterday, have been hard and I've needed to digest more things than I thought. In all honesty, I stayed in a phase of relief for a long time and I think that that was just to be as a 
coping mechanism that I was telling myself, this is what mum wanted. She is at rest now. I don't believe that she is in a better place because she is supposed to be here with us. But with the cards that were dealt, this is where she decided to be and I love her and I respect her and I miss her. I've been looking after my stepdad, which has um, been an honour to do so. I now have five children, all boys, um, and they all need me for different reasons. I've had to handle mum's affairs, which can be very tedious, as I know from past experiences, um, and it's also very hard to replay the story time over, but being able to take some of that load off my stepdad has... um, has been something that I was definitely willing to do. I've had my birthday, so my first ever birthday, not getting a card from my mum with my name in her beautiful handwriting across the front. And I've only been to visit her once. And I think that that was also me blocking out that I just can't believe that I have to go back to that place again, our special place that we call it, and visit yet another person that I love so dearly and that's a huge part of my life and now they're gone and what does my life be like without them here? And, you know, that's really still yet to set in. I don't know what, I don't know what life is going to be like in the future without her. So um, I'm still processing all of that and, Doing this podcast is another part of healing. Uh, It's one of my, you know, audio journals that I share with you all and it helps me unpack and process. I I still feel relieved at times. It was, you know, a, a lot visiting hospitals day in and day out and having limited conversations due to the level of medication that she was on. But the sadness has definitely started to creep in and um, I'm looking at possibly going back to therapy to unpack that a little bit more. Our relationship was, you know, of mother and daughter, which I don't have any daughters, but from all the quotes and poems, I believe that it's a bond like no other. For me, I have been an independent child since birth and I believe in, um, you know, what happens in our early days as a childhood sets us up for our life. And when I was born, um, I was separated from mum at birth due to um, when she had her caesarean, they perforated her bowel and she became quite unwell from that. So from a very early age, I, um, well, from birth was kind of on my own, um, which is an unusual situation. But Obviously that wasn't forever and then I just think from those early days it set me up to be independent and want to stand on my own two feet. And as a mum, she always respected that and she always let me be my own person and she never tried to control me and she never made me do anything that I didn't want to do. Sometimes we would butt heads because we were wildly similar even though I hated to admit it. And sometimes for me... um, you know, I was just like, I don't need anyone. I can do this. But you always need your mum. And, you know, if there are some do-overs in life, um, I definitely wish that I made more time for family time. Um, But 
for some reason, I, I don't know if it's because my parents divorced when I was 12 and, you know, they remarried and they started their own lives, their round two of life and my brother and I were teens and my brother and I have been wildly close our whole life. We've lived together up until I had my first son. We've worked together for the past 10 years. So um, we were kind of the, the yin to each other's yang and, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to explain the relationship. I love my mum so dearly but I know that there's a lot of people out there that look at their friends and they have their, their mum is their, their best friend and I love my mum with my whole heart but I didn't have that relationship where I called her every day or I hung out with her every day or I went to the movies with her every weekend or anything like that. We, we had our time together and then we had our independent lives as well. You know, life life deals you these cards and you learn to get on with it and, you know, but there are triggers and there are mindset things. And um, when I was just recently at Gringana for a health retreat or a wellness retreat, um, every morning we started with um, Qigong and it's like a Tai Chi. And my mum used to go to Tai Chi in the park at Burley, which was so wild for her because she was never into anything like that. But she loved it and she always spoke about wanting to get back there and wanting to do it again, but she never got the opportunity to. So when we got to Guingana, we're on this amazing mountaintop felt like I was in heaven. We were so high up and the sun would be rising and the clouds would be parting and the rays would be shining down on me and we were doing this Tai Chi practice and all I could think of was my mum. And I don't know if you remember earlier on, I told you about the the white butterfly that flew past me on the day that she passed away. And from that day on, I had said to me myself that whenever I see white butterflies, that is when my mum is around me. And when we were at Gwingana, there were so many beautiful gardens and um, there were just every now and again I would be thinking or doing something and a a white butterfly or a little, I'm going to call it a flock, I don't know what they're called, a flock of white butterflies would just go around my head or come really close to me that they were going to land on me and then take off and such a magical experience. And I know I have 313 to show me when horns around and now I have the white butterflies to show me when my mum is around. One thing that I want to touch on really quickly before I wrap up this episode and I know that I've always made a conscious effort not to talk about politics, religion or vaccinations but I will always commit to talk about something if I'm super passionate about it. And just in the days after mum passed away, voluntary assisted dying was approved in Queensland and anyone, anybody that has had a loved one that has passed away from cancer know that this is an incredible shift and it will change so many people's lives. It will give them grace and dignity and their last little bit of control and choice. That's all I'm going to say. And I couldn't be happier that this bill has been passed while it is too late for my mum. I hope that for the many people that have been given a terminal diagnosis, that this does bring them some peace and comfort. And to finish, I really want to say for anyone that has a loved one or it is them themselves going through this, 
saying I have had enough is not quitting. Your body, your choice. Thanks for tuning in. And just remember, we're all flawed, but we're also fucking fabulous. Fabulous.